Welcome to this episode of Anesthesia on Air, the podcast from the Royal College of Anesthetists. Today's topic is improving the experience of anesthesia and perioperative care for black, Asian and minority ethnic patients. My name is Elisabeth Toya. I'm a consultant anesthetist at University College London Hospitals. I'm a member of the Royal College of Anesthetists Council and I sit on the College Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Committee, so I have a particular interest in these issues. I am joined today by Vina Soni and Isa Khan, two of our patient voices at the Royal College of Anesthetists. Welcome, Vina and Isa. I would like you both to introduce yourself. Vina, would you start? Hello, um, good morning. Um, my name is Vina Soni, and I've worked in central and local government specialising in equality, diversity and inclusion, uh, as well as working with the public sector to ensure services meet the needs of the diverse communities. I now have my own consultancy firm and do a lot of work um, within the communities. For over 30 years, I've been a carer for my parents and for my husband. And I'm very fortunate and privileged to be a, a lay member with the Royal College of Anesthetists in the Patient Voice Committee. Thank you. Thank you, Vina. Isa, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Thank you, Elisa. Um, I'm Isa Khan, one of the lay committee members of the Royal College. Um, I have a legal regeneration background and have served for three years at another Royal College. Uh, I am passionate about equality, diversity in medicine and health care in general and joined the community with the objective of helping improve the public and patients' experiences of and access to high quality health care. Thank you very much. So both of you spoke at the um, committee meeting in February earlier on this year, and you gave a very articulate picture of what, what matters within your personal experience and probably in your Muslim and Hindus community as patients and carers. And, and of course, it, it's hard for people that doesn't have the same background to fully understand what one is going through and one's need. So it is important that you bring this conversation within the medical community and within the NHS in general so that we can learn and we can be better at what we do. So within the new Royal College strategy, there is a strong focus on health inequalities and commitment to have a healthier outcomes for all. And albeit we know that there are several different determinants that impact on, on health, aren't they? So there is the education, there is housing matter, uh, there is the environment in general. But if at the point of care, we can do something that can make the experience better. That that would be great. So, if in this situation you want to start sharing with us what's your experience and perspective, and Vina, if we could please start with you, that would be very helpful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I think um, firstly, I think it's very important, and I'm really pleased that the um, the college has equality and diversity high on its agenda and are very keen to ensure that it's meeting the needs of the ethnic minority um, communities that are using their services. Um, I have over 30 years experience of, of visiting um, medical settings 
and working with medical professionals. And I've seen a lot of changes um, that have taken place over the 30 years. So, so things are moving forward and I think it would be wrong to say that things haven't. But however, having said that and, and having talked a lot to the communities and my own experiences, there are still many things that those people from the communities feel and feel that needs still to be um, changed or, or addressed in services. And, and I'm just going to talk over a few things that I think are very important. And, and I would really start by starting by saying about we need to understand that the communities living here are not just first generation communities. They can be first, second, third or fourth generation. And I think that's one of the first things I think everyone needs to understand. So there is diversity within the diversity. And when you think about that, when a patient or somebody comes into your settings or you're working with a patient, the first thing to, I think is important to understand is that the person in front of you is not just the stereotype or norm that you have built up in your own mind, but you need to understand the person that you are meeting. And I think with that in mind, and I'm just thinking even of my own experience of having walked in and in the, the medical professional sort of talking to you very briefly, explaining to you, because in their mind, they're thinking, actually, she might not understand what we're talking about. It's not, you know, no point going too much in detail and, and it'll make it harder. English might not be the first language, might be a problem. They might be just new in the country, et cetera, et cetera. So all these things are going in their mind. And because of that, they try to keep it very simple. And, and the number of times when then I ask a question, they will then turn around and say to me, are you a doctor? Um, are you from the medical professional? And I'll say, no, I'm not. And they say, it's just that the kind of questions you're asking. And I'm saying it's because A, I've for many years have taken my parents, my in-laws, etc. So I have an understanding. But B, you have to recognize that there is an internet out there and I can look up what ever someone says, I can ask those questions and I know what I want to. So it's about understanding that we have people out there who actually before they come to see you may have already been on the internet and, and looked up what needs or what they think and therefore they might have a, a range of questions. So for me, the first important thing is that when a patient comes in, understand them, mm -hmm. understand who they are and what their needs are and then deliver according to that. It might be second, third generation, who actually, Britain is their country. This is, they're British as anybody else. And for them, actually, their mother tongue, et cetera, et cetera, is their second language, not English. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing I would also say is, and, and I think communication is getting better, but I think that is a very, very main area, which I would still say that needs to be developed communicating with your patients and ensuring they understand. And that communication is what's going to make them feel confident in yourself and make them understand you. The second part is about, again, around assumptions, assuming that um, they're automatically, because of the color of their skin, that you go into a ward and they'll bring the menu and the first thing that they will say is, we've got halal meal here, so you can order that if you'd like to. And, and sort of, you know, my children uh, having been in and, and, you know, my husband and he'll say, I don't want to allow me and I want to eat what everybody else. But again, it's, you could turn around and say, 
actually there's a menu here but if you want to if you feel comfortable there is this available as well so you might want to so it's about how you ask the question and about how you say something but it's not about assuming that because of the color of your skin this is exactly what you're going to do the third area is particularly about clothing and different communities different people will dress in a different way some people like to to cover themselves and it's part of their culture part of their community and and the way they behave and it's about understanding this and again i can just remember my mom used to wear a kaftan when she was in hospital she was quite elderly and i went in once and she was sitting crying and i said what's what's wrong you know why are you so upset and she said the nurses told me i'm not allowed i'm not allowed to wear this i have to wear a shorter nighty and it's not not good and she doesn't like it said and i was quite upset and, and went to the 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 um, senior nurse and she was shocked to be quite honest and she said no she said that's not true at all and whoever it is if you tell me who it is that is not acceptable so so you understand there is changes going on but there's still a need for that education of raising awareness helping people to understand that what you see on television is not the norm it's not the stereotype it's about understanding the patient more than anything else and of course religion and culture is one in a lot of communities so religion and culture are not two separate things but the way we live is based on our religion and i think the part of training for all medical professional there needs to be something there um you know that needs to be around raising awareness and understanding the other communities thank you vina you have been so articulate thank you very much Shall we move on to Isa? What Thanks. are the things that are very relevant to you? Thank you, Elisa. Um, Britain's very famous for being an immigrant nation. It's had a wonderful history of uh, integrating different communities. So whether that was the pre-war Jewish community being integrated or the previous European communities coming over before the war, um, the Muslim community mainly arrived from the Commonwealth nations just after the war, so in the 50s, 60s and 70s. Um, the Muslim community in general is historically, culturally, ethnically, uh, linguistically very, very diverse. It's not one nation. It's a nation of many nations. Um, there are around 3 million Muslims um, at the moment, about 2020 um, statistics, um, and it's one of the youngest populations in the country. So these are now, as Venus mentioned, second, third and fourth generation and the needs of the generations has been changing. Um, partly because it's a younger population, it's third and fourth generation. So the needs of the older generations was very, very different to the new generation of Muslims and ethnic minorities. So as, as we see through history, it, Britain has a wonderful history of integrating these communities. But as I said, and I'll say later on about the reasons for the inequalities, the Muslim communities are very diverse ethnically and linguistically, and the needs are very, very different. So I'd say that as an introduction at the moment. Thank you, Elise. Thank you very much, Lisa. Um, I've been writing down a few things that you both have mentioned, and I really like, Vina, what you said about there is diversity within the diversity and interestingly Lisa, you mentioned exactly the same thing yeah. Say, talking about a nation of many nations 
And um, I think that this then reflects what the challenges are on our side. So is that, if I have to think about my daily experience, assumption help us is the way in which we are trained because we have to make a diagnosis, you pick different signs and symptoms and you put them together and you come out with an idea of a pathology, for example. So I guess that we possibly sometimes use the same kind of mental approach. So you see a patient, you they come into the room and by the age that they look like, the way they walk, you start assuming their well their level of well-being. And so I suspect that as a you know natural mechanism, then we attach other thoughts that often can be wrong. And I think our challenge is, is to learn how to continue using this kind of assumption system that help us in our daily care, but without attaching too many meanings that can often can often be wrong. Is there or are there some practical advice and suggestion? on how we can avoid that. Let's assume that nowadays I talk about an, an anesthetic meeting that can last for you know half an hour, but we have doctors like GP, for example, that can have only 10 minutes. So what can I say mistakes that you have seen made by doctors that can be more easily fixed? Yeah, so coming to your point, in relation to, I think the, the key is, Elisa and Vina, um, is education, I think. When patients come, they, they come as a package. Um, they don't just come with the problem or the health condition. They come as a package. So they come with their cultural, religious kind of background and baggage. Uh, and I think that's maybe lacking in medicine where we, um, I think doctors are trained um, to look at the condition more than the individual as a package. And every medic will eventually become a patient. Um, and, and, and I think he needs to realize that every medic or every healthcare worker will eventually become a patient. And it's taking the patient as a package, I think. And that's the key. And I think that starts early. I think probably with medical training. Um, the education, I think, is continuous. I think it doesn't stop. But I think training doctors initially, maybe even during their undergraduate years rather than their specialization years of communication skills about educating that patients come with these cultural religious back, as a package and understanding that I think as, as a medic allows you, so very, very simple things like a GP, um, maybe if they're giving medication during the, the, the fasting month, uh, allowing them an understanding of how that will impact on his health, especially if the individual has diabetes and maybe giving him advice on that. Same with surgery, planning surgery. Um, if the fasting period comes, the old lady might find her fasting very, very important and probably worrying more about the fasting than the surgery and her family's, the impact on her family, uh, because family is very, very important in certain communities. Thank yeah, you. it's, it's yeah. education and understanding, I think. That's that's the key, and it starts very early on, I think, maybe bringing in certain modules during undergraduate years, and um, I've seen it during the exams at the specialisation. I think they're doing a wonderful job there, yeah. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. Vina, what about...? I, I totally agree that education is, is the starting point. 
and and I do a lot of work and recently I've been working with some um, different everything from dietitians right through to nurses etc on trying to raise um, awareness and one of the most important things that I say to people is ask you know and and I think that the hardest thing for anyone to do is to it's easier to assume something than to ask them is this right so a simple thing like even a person's name when you think about it you read somebody's name and you think this is how it's this is how you say the name and then but if you ask the person say is that right is is this how i should say it and if they said no this is how we say it, that's fine you can do but it's the hardest thing is about asking somebody so i think it's about education it's about that understanding it's about having the patient at the center but it's also about feeling actually i don't know everything in the world i it's, it's fine for me not to know something and to ask this person is it okay for you to have this would you be happy to do that so it's using that language isn't it to be able to for the patient to feel actually this person cares about me because they're asking me do I mind? And it's exactly as you've said, Isa, about it's it's Ramadan and fasting. So if you're saying to you, actually, you're having this operation on this date, it's really urgent. Would you be happy to have it? I appreciate it. It might be your fasting season at that time. You know, it might be that. And it's about the patient feeling, actually, this person cares about me. I'm not just a number, but I'm a person for this person. And then they would sort of turn around and say, actually, it is difficult, but this is important, so I will do this but it's about that working together isn't it with the patient and not the patient thinking i'm down here and i you know i'm feeling ignorant and this is the doctor and he's sort of you know this wonderful person but it's about working together you highlighted uh you highlighted two things that resonate a lot so the fact that we don't know everything and sometimes i i have to say that being the doctor you feel that you have to know everything because this is in the same way you think that this is what people want from you so again there is a problem with the assumption but you come there a little bit probably with an atlas complex that you're carrying the word on your shoulder and you have to know everything and so probably feel a bit freer from that but again on a practical note how um i have found myself um curious about a patient's background and i really struggle to find the correct way of asking it because as you said there are people that are here from generations so i find it sometimes awkward and again english is not my first language so sometimes i doubt of my you know command of the language on how to ask because the same for me when people ask me where i'm from uh, or where is home? Uh, home is London, you know, I've been here for, for such a long time, their home is London. So it's hard also to find the way to ask the, the question in a way in which you know that you're not going to offend anyone. It's not that easy. And that is another, uh, I think that often we feel that we don't want to offend the other person. And that's in all fields, isn't it? That every yeah. one of us feels that if we're asking a question, we're going to offend the other person. And until we have the confidence to feel, actually, I can ask this question without the other person feeling offended, then it's really difficult for you to think in that way. So somebody like me, I, I, I sort of quite happily sort of ask somebody, and you're absolutely right. If somebody said to you, um, where are you from? Well, I'm, I'm from Newcastle. No, I mean, where were you originally from? 
Actually, my parents brought me here when I was four years old, so as far as I'm concerned, but they are from, you know, India. So, so they're from there, but not me. I was, you know, just a little kid when I came here, so as far as I'm concerned. This is all, and it's exactly for you, because if somebody asks you, I'm from London, but where are you, you know, where are your parents from, where is your, you know, sort of that. And even if somebody asks me, where's your motherland? Well, this is my motherland, because I've always lived here. So it is hard, but I can understand where you're coming from. And, and you have to have the confidence. And that can only come if you have the knowledge beforehand to understand yeah. and be told there's nothing wrong in getting it wrong, but to ask the question. That's and that's the important thing to say to people. Very poignant point of the conversation, I think, that the confidence comes with the knowledge. Very true. And in fact, Isa, I would like to ask you one thing. Sometimes if I'm seeing in my pre-assessment clinic um, patient of Muslim background, um, if they are old or they don't speak English, we have the translator service. That, of course, is a sort of filter between, you know, yourself as a caregiver and the patient. So somehow to try to create a rapport, when I summarize the situation, I end my, um, you know, my summary by saying, inshallah. And I wonder, is it, can it be perceived as a cultural appropriation or is it fair for me to say that? I think, Alisa, you've said, um, and I said earlier, um, the, the Muslim community is a very diverse ethnically and linguistically. So the way I think they will perceive it, religion kind of unites them. Uh, so they're all Muslim. So you could be an Italian Muslim, you could be a Swedish Muslim. Um, I mean, 2% of the population of Muslims in this country are, are native, are Celts in a sense. Um, and I think it's, it's like you say, it's having the knowledge that brings kind of confidence. You only fear something if it's unknown. Um, I think you don't fear it once you have some knowledge of it. Um, so I think having knowledge that both from the patient's view and the medic's point of view, the medic, I think, and that's a wonderful point, I think medics have a problem that, and a lot of, I think, professionals have the problem that they need to be 100% perfect in their knowledge of their specialization. And, you know, my father used to joke that if, if you know everything, you need to change your name and, and to God. Only God knows everything. So um, I think you can't know everything. And that's, that's, that's human nature. Secondly, Britain's an immigrant nation. Uh, everyone's essentially an immigrant. The only difference is timing, uh, when they've arrived here, whether it's hundreds of years ago, whether it's a couple of years ago from, from Eastern Europe or somewhere, or a week ago from, from Ukraine or somewhere. Um, I think everyone's an immigrant and it's understanding. But as far as your point goes, um, the Muslim community is very, very diverse. Um, I think it's the way it's phrased and the way it's brought in and at the timing, I think, 99% of the time, it will not be offensive. I think it will be, um, it will bring a smile usually that someone's taken the interest to learn that word. It's like me saying some Italian dish or something in Italian. I think it would just spark and it, you may correct my pronunciation. Um, the, the English, I mean, I've grown up here, so the English are usually very reserved, but once they open up and you get them on a, a certain interest point, I think, and that inshallah could, could be a word 
that brings a smile and opens the patient up. So no, I don't think 99% of the time, but it's the way you phrase it and the timing. Um, and I think your intention is there to open up the patient, to bring that conversation forward, maybe make the patient more relaxed. And I think it's bringing that patient that, look, I'm on your side. Um, I'm, I want the best for you. Um, and I've even taken the time to learn a couple of words or maybe, you know, mentioning a favor, what are you going to do after or during this month or that month or how do you celebrate? I think those, yeah, it's bringing relationship and communication together, yeah, with, with the patient, yeah. Thank you, Elise. Thank you, Isa, and thank you, Vina. has been so, so very interesting, and I think we are just opening uh, the conversation at this point. I believe we are getting towards the end of uh, the prescribed time for this chat, but it was very interesting to hear your point of view. I think the thing that I liked the most was that despite coming from two different communities, the view is very similar and the needs that you see are the same of education, of educating us in understanding the different culture, in avoiding assumption, in listening and in asking. And this is what I believe we can take forward from this meeting. What do you reckon? Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. I think I think that's the most important. And it's about working with your patient. And, and Isa, you're absolutely right. Um, anything that you do, anything you say about making the patient feel comfortable and making them feel confident that you are going to look after them. I think that's very important. And it's just that communication and talking and making them feel as they are important to you. And, and, and that together, you're going to work at making them better, whether that is through surgery or whether it's after surgery, working together to ensure that you're going to be, you know, that that patient is going to get well, go home and be able to enjoy life. And I think that's very important that they need to have that confidence in yourselves. And that is through building up those relationships with the patient. And it's little things just like you've said, and, and it's about understanding that patient and knowing who that patient is. And when you said earlier about first, second generation, et cetera, whatever, it, it, it seems as though it's difficult to ask the questions, but once you start asking the question, you will soon realize how easy it becomes and natural because a lot of the people are used to being asked these kind of questions. So it's nothing, or they don't find it offensive. I'm sure he has been asked lots of times, you know, well, I, I make it very clear. My parents came here, I was very young and I, um, and, and sort of now. So, so yes, you know, sort of, it, and people are proud of that, proud of the fact that they've come through in their second or the third generation. Uh, and they talk very freely about it. I think where they take offense is when it's just assumed. And I'm just thinking my, my, my son's third generation he went to school and they asked him, do you speak English? And he thought, I was born and brought up in this country, so why are you asking me this question? But you know, it's how a teacher asks and and what they meant was his English is an additional language, but you know, there you are, sort of, sorry. <laughs> but that's where you get it. Anything you would like to add? Yeah, um, just to Lisa, it's about collaboration, about teamwork, um, about knowing that the patient is a, a full package. Um, and sharing maybe your knowledge as the medic and maybe the patient sharing his knowledge with you. And it's that teamwork, I think, between 
the health professionals and the patient and, and understanding each other where each one's coming from and sometimes understanding that you know medics or health professionals don't know it all you know that those days are gone I think for medics those were the the older days for medics in the 40s 50s 60s where the doctor knew it all and possibly they did but yeah the, the world's moved on I think it's a more diverse world and we need we need to understand where people are coming from diverse kind of backgrounds and that and understanding that so they can improve I think they're all on the same side um, in, improving the healthcare for everyone could I just add one other thing because we've talked a lot about educating the medical professionals but it's about educating the patients as well and helping them to understand what the expectations are and I think sometimes patients go in with an expectation of something and I think it's needs I think we need to also communicate and work with patients so they have an understanding of what the expectation is so they're, they're not actually looking for one and I'm just thinking for example when they go in expecting a consultant or someone to be looking after them or the person to be doing it and actually it turns out to be it might be a different doctor or somebody else coming or or there is a named person that they have seen previously and they want to see that same person uh, that same um, person again but it's about educating professionals but it's also educating the patients to have a better of an understanding of of what the expectations are thank you Rita. that's very relevant actually uh for us that it was a brilliant conversation for me i've learned a lot and i'll take home a lot and actually i have a clinic this afternoon so let's see if i can implement some of the suggestion that you have given me today so Thank you very much for being part of this podcast and um, we might have a continuation to this conversation. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you for listening to Anesthesia On Air from the Royal College of Anaesthetists. Make sure you don't miss out on the latest episodes by clicking subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you give us a review. It helps others find our podcast. If there is a topic you'd like us to cover or you'd like to feature in the podcast, please email podcast at rcoa.ac.uk. And finally, if you would like to access more podcasts as well as videos, e-learning, webinars and our programme of events and courses, you can find them all online at rcoa.ac.uk forward slash education. We hope to see you again soon. Please note, all views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and not those of the Royal College of Anaesthetists.